Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. I found this morning uh, in the sanctuary two Nerf darts. Um, the reason for that is because last Sunday evening during youth group, there's about 50 people here, families, uh, and we shot each other with Nerf darts. So if you see any of these laying around, that's why. Uh, and just as you pick it up, say a prayer for the youth group, the youth ministry, and you just throw it on my desk or in my office, and, and we'll take care of it. All right, so we are in... Uh, week three of our ethnomovie series, right? It's, it's been pretty fun so far, at least I think so. If you don't think so, it's because you don't know how to have fun. Um, but, uh, uh, and so, so far, like Pastor Julie, she looked at the romantic comedies. Uh, AJ, he looked at some superhero movies. Uh, apparently that is uh, their favorite genres of movies. Uh, my favorite genre is existing movies, just movies that exist. I just I like all kinds of movies. And so I can't really pick a genre. Like, if you're going to make a, a movie about a short guy that delivers jewelry to a volcano, um, I would watch that, you know, the, this epic story, Lord of the Rings. Love it. My family actually, uh, right now, we started watching through the extended version of these, which if you think the originals are long, just multiply that by like 10. Uh, and, and actually what happens is, I put it on under a little bit of protest sometimes, and then I fall asleep while everybody else is forced to watch what I put on. Um, and so, well, anyway, uh, I also like these cheesy Christmas uh, Hallmark movies. There's nothing wrong with those. And, and I had to check like four times to make sure that the pictures were actually from different movies because I wasn't sure, because you know, they're all the same story, they just have different actors in them, and I'm like, is that, like, they're even dressed the same, like, and they're all about small towns, and it took like 30 seconds to find, maybe 15 seconds to find those, they're all the same, all right, or, or, or I even like, you know, I like movies with a little bit of story and lots of explosions, uh, I'm good with that, uh, or, you know, those inspirational underdog movies, Rocky's the best, right? Uh, or, if you want to make a movie about a tornado made out of sharks, like, I'm in. I'll watch it. I've seen that one. I, I learned this week, actually, there's six of those now, which means I've got some catching up to do. Um, but uh, I've actually seen uh, on whatever streaming service this movie floating around. Uh, there it is. Uh, the Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. <laughs> you got Sam Elliott. Hitler and Bigfoot. You can't go wrong with that. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. I've not seen it. This is not an endorsement. But that movie exists, and at some point, I might end up watching it. All right. Uh, so we're, we're talking about movies, and this week, it's my turn with the microphone. So that means I get to clear up some of the things that Pastor AJ said last week, which is always a dangerous thing. If, so if I don't have a job next week... Uh, so... Pastor AJ, he was picking on someone because they knew about the notebook. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay if, if you're a male person and you like the notebook and you know that uh, you know what the story is and, and you cried at the end. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with liking the notebook. Okay, I just, that has to be on record. But, but more important than that, I got home last week. My oldest boy, Caleb, he's the uh, tall, good-looking one you see run, walking around the church. He runs in the family. Um, and he said, he said, can you believe what pastor said today, dad? I'm like, well, what'd he say? You know, he pretty, he said that Marvel is better than DC. <laughs> I said, don't worry. I get the microphone next week. I'll correct this heresy. And, and so just, so for the record, DC is way better. 
And, and, and while I'm at it, you know, because we like to be controversial in church, uh, Ben Affleck is actually the best Batman there has been. And I don't care if you don't agree with me. It's, it's true. Um, and, and, and he said, AJ said last week he could take Ben Affleck in a fight. Lexi might be able to. Pastor AJ, definitely not. <laughs> And so, now, I, I will admit this, that uh, some of the, the DC movies, uh, they could have been better. Uh, you know, they, they didn't do justice to the Justice League, perhaps. But uh, here, here's the thing. If you hear a bad sermon, it's not because the Bible's boring. It's because the preacher didn't do a good job, right? Uh, and, and so, just because some of the movies aren't as good as they could be doesn't mean that DC isn't way better. In fact, DC is so good, they can have bad movies and still be better than Marvel. So, that's just how it works. All right. So, we're going we're gonna to keep with tradition. We're going to do some movie trivia. And because uh, I like all sorts of movies, we've got all sorts of different questions, and I tried to keep them easy. We'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this goes. This is fun. All right. First one. Where is this movie filmed? Somebody knows it. Uh, I see a hand somewhere over here. New Zealand. New Zealand. That's right. You know, the, the, they're making a series. They're not filming it in New Zealand. It's a big thing. People are talking about it on the internet. All right. New Zealand. That's, that was an easy one, right? All right. Next, next question. In this movie here, why is life like a box of chocolates? See, everybody knows. I, I think I saw Kelly first. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. That's right. You never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like whenever I come up on the stage. All right. Now, the next one, don't put it up quite yet. It, it's really, it's, it's more difficult. So I've given you multiple choice. All right, here it is. What movie is simply the worst? There's your choices. <laughs> so anybody, anybody know the answer? I, I, oh, you just pick somebody that you like the best and give them candy. I, I don't know who, everybody, yeah, that's, it's a terrible movie. And it's not because I don't like musicals. I actually watched and enjoyed all of the high school musical movies, okay? Like, I, tell, I like every movie except for that one. All right, so. All right, all right, let's, let's keep going. The next one, who, what is this DC character, which is way better than any Marvel character, secret identity? What's his secret identity? I see a hand back here. Clark Kent, yes. Uh, I also would have accepted Pastor TJ. One of those answers uh, would have been fine. All right. All right, next, what is this movie? Somebody's got to know this. Right here, I see... Legally Blonde, that's right. All right, just a, a few more. Oh, this one, this one's easy. Okay, what movie is this quote from? You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, I think I saw Ashton's? I don't, oh, over here, yeah. The Sandlot. Now that's a fun movie, okay. All right, now this one, I'm actually a little bit, I'm, I'm concerned that somebody might not know the answer, so we'll see. In Napoleon Dynamite, what's the name of the llama? Yes, somebody knows. Tina. Tina. I have a sister named Tina. She's not happy about that. Just, uh, all right. Very last question. Uh, the, uh, who is this guy? He's the hunchback. Does anybody know his name? I heard... Carl, you can give whoever 
give one to Zaheer. I think Carl said it. I can't tell. I just see lights. So. All right. All right. That's the last one. That's, that's all the, the fun. Uh, so I love Quasimodo. Uh, I, I really like this movie. You might have seen it playing on the screens on the way in today. Uh, just ever since it came out back in, it was 1996, it's just kind of held a special place in my heart because there's so much about this movie that's kind of unexpected. Uh, I was disappointed, though, this is a side note, that he doesn't end up getting the girl. I was like, lame, but I guess I, that happens in the book also. There's a book. I don't, I don't know. So, Quasimodo, it's, a, it's like an unexpected movie. Like, first, the hero of the story is that guy. Uh, a slightly deformed guy who's kept in isolation to the point he hallucinates and makes friends with statues, and, and he's the hero of the story, and it's awesome. Uh, and the villain of the story is uh, an upstanding, respectable member of society, and he doesn't have any, like, magical powers like Jafar and Aladdin or anything. He's just, like, that guy. He's just a jerk, right? He's just a creepy old dude. Like, that is, but everybody, no one else in the town realizes it, except for the people watching. They think, oh, that's, that's the judge, right? That's... Frollo is his name, not Froyo, that's different. All right, so, almost losing my spot. Uh, another cool part, like, unexpected in this movie, there's a song in the movie, it's called God Bless the Outcast, right? And, and it's this song, and it's great, you should look it up and listen to it, and, and it's essentially a prayer that's very specifically a Christian prayer. Like, there's no mistaking it. Like, you could sing that song in church as, like, a special, and no one would think twice about it. It's just a really great song. And then not only is there that song, there's, there's a song completely in Latin, which I don't know how that worked in, like, the brainstorming uh, thing. Like, this is an animated kids movie, right? Let's do a song in Latin. Like, I don't, I don't get that, but... Like I said, unexpected things. And, and really, it's a little bit unexpected that the movie was, was made at all uh, back in 96. It probably would have, if it wasn't made then, it probably would have not been made today, but by Disney at least. Uh, and so it's just this unexpected sort of movie, and there's all kinds of really cool themes and stuff on it. Uh, in fact, uh, honestly, I could probably spend like a whole series just on the Hunchback movie and different things in that, uh, which would be strange. I mean, uh, imagine having that conversation with your friend. They're like, oh, yeah, well, my pastor, we're doing this really in-depth study on the book of Revelation. It's, it's so in-depth that last week we only covered half of a verse, which is a weird thing to brag about. But people do, like, you know, next week we're just going to do a word, and the week, the week after that, just the period between. But anyway, uh, what, do you, what is your church talk? Oh, we just spent a month on the hunchback. So it would be weird, but I, I think it's possible. It's just uh, have so many cool things in there. All right. So anyhow, one of the cool things is this sanctuary. That idea, sanctuary. Uh, it pops up three different times in the movie. Uh, once at the start... Uh, when it, when it you know, opens up in the middle and then again in the end. And so when the movie opens up, Frollo, the bad guy, he's chasing this woman and her baby through the streets. He's wanting to capture them. She ends up at the, uh, at the doors of the, the Notre Dame Cathedral, and she's pounding on the doors, and she's yelling out, Sanctuary, please give us sanctuary. Uh, the priest doesn't get to the door in time. And in all the commotion, the woman dies, which probably that scene we could probably put a sermon together around. Uh, we find out that the baby's Quasimodo, right? The bad guy has to take care of him, and he locks him up in the bell tower. All this time passes. They're having a big festival, 
in the town, the Festival of Fools, um, which is a, a real thing. And Quasi wants to go. Frollo says no, so he sneaks out. And he goes, and, and uh, he finds himself in trouble. Uh, and then uh, Esmeralda, this outcast gypsy lady, helps uh, Quasi in his trouble uh, in defiance of Frollo, the, the kind of the guy in charge. And so she ends up a fugitive. And so she makes her way to the church. And again, sanctuary is claimed. Movie unfolds. At the very end, Frollo finally captures Esmeralda. And he's going to burn her alive because, you know, it's a kid's movie. Uh, and, and so, uh, but he gives her a choice. He says, you can either be with me or burn, be burned alive. Uh, but <laughs> kid's movie. So, she looks at him. She says, no, you're kind of old and creepy, so go ahead and light me on fire. Uh, and, uh, and then that's when the, the hunchback, he comes swinging on a rope, right? He, he grabs her, uh, and he swings back up the church, and, and there's that, that epic scene where he holds her up, and he yells out, Sanctuary. Sanctuary. It's a really cool theme. When you came in today to the church, if you came through the middle doors, you probably noticed, or you might have noticed above the door, the big sign says, Sanctuary. For us, that means this room here, right? Uh, but in, in the hunchback world, uh, there was something else going on. It wasn't uh, referencing a room where the preaching and the singing happens. It, it was this legal thing. See, if you found yourself in trouble, you'd broken the law, and you're being pursued, you can go to the church and claim sanctuary. And the people pursuing you, they couldn't go in after you. They couldn't bring weapons into the church. They couldn't go in and drag you out so then they could arrest you at that point. No, because the church was like base, right? Like when your kids play tag, base, you can't get me, base. It was like that. Uh, and so, sanctuary. It was based on this. One, suspicion from the church to the government that they, they were kind of suspicious. This is all according to history.com. I found it this week, so if it's wrong, blame the History Channel. Uh, deeply suspicious about the punishments given out by the government. And, and they said the government is more concerned with, with the law and punishing the criminal than they're concerned with uh, reestablishing the, the moral imbalance between the wrongdoer and God. The, the, the government was more concerned with punishing and the church was more concerned with restoration. And so if someone sought to be restored, they'd go to the church and they would claim sanctuary. And there is even an understanding uh, in this thing that if, if the person coming to the church, if they weren't already a Christian, they would convert at that point. It's a really interesting idea. We don't have that law anymore. Uh, according to the interwebs, it was done away with in 1623. If that sort of thing interests you, there you go. But it, it, it's based on this really profound understanding of the church, the church as a, as a holy place, a place where we commune with God, a, a place where, where there's grace and restoration, uh, th this place that is outside of the grip of whatever political party, this place that is ideally free of any sort of political affiliations, this safe space. And I know some of you don't like that term. That's why I used it. Safe space. So it, it made sense to them to have this law that says, if you're in trouble, Go to the church. 
Go to the church where the, where the authority of God supersedes the authority of the government, where, where grace and restoration prevails over law and punishment. And so probably the closest thing that we have in our world to that is the idea of the embassy, right? If you're in a foreign country, a U.S. citizen, you find yourself in trouble. If you get to the embassy, there's some sort of refuge there. There's some sort of help there. At least that's what the movies say. I don't know. It's never happened to me. But you get to the embassy because, see, the, the embassy is considered United States soil, And so the idea then is when the fugitive runs to the church and pleads sanctuary, there's this understanding that the property of the church belonged to God. It was God's embassy on earth. It was heavenly soil on earth, a place of rest, a place to encounter God, a a place of grace and restoration and new creation and hope and welcome and safe haven. It was a sanctuary. And again, if you walk through the middle doors, you walk through the sign, and it says sanctuary. Would have made this really difficult sermon if it said auditorium above it. Just, I wouldn't know what to do. A rose by any other name, right? Anyway. And and we walked under that sign, and, and so for us, that's what this space is. This is our sanctuary. This is a place where we have experienced restoration. This is a a place where we have, uh, maybe in this very room or in a room much like it, where we have first placed our faith in Christ and, and everything in our life changed. This is a place where we have spent time kneeling at these altars, sometimes maybe in, in quiet reflection before God, maybe sometimes with, with tears and snot running out of our face, but we have spent time here. This is a place where maybe we've been baptized. Or you've seen our children or grandchildren be baptized and dedicated to God. This is a place where many people have stood and made vows before God and witnesses. And also a place that they've come when those vows were perhaps betrayed. And they received comfort and guidance and direction. It's a room like this where so many have experienced their call to ministry. And so for us, this is a special place. And that's why we come back week after week after week, because to us this place has become special, become sanctuary. And maybe some weeks, it's true, we come more enthusiastically than other weeks, but after we've been here, we never regret it. We never regret it. And, and I would imagine that as people are watching online this morning, because, you know, the world as it is and health reasons and all that, we stay connected through screens. And that's okay. Sometimes, you know, that's necessary. And that's why we have those things. But I know, or I would imagine at least, that as we watch at home, there's something deep inside of our heart that just longs to be here in person. Because... This is a special place where special things happened and have happened. It's a place of safety and grace and renewal. It's a place where we have encountered God. It is our sanctuary. And it's our sanctuary because we have encountered God here. But but here's the question. 
Here's the thing. What, what does it mean to encounter God at church? What, what does experiencing the presence of God look like? Now, 99% of the time, especially if you would have asked me this growing up, I would have associated the presence of God with a lot of uh, warm, fuzzy feelings or some sort of emotional response. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, not discounting those things. Those things are good. They're valid. They're important. Uh, one thing to think about, though, is, is if we get those same sort of emotional responses when we go to a movie theater, uh, it's just something to think about. And again, I'm not discounting those. I, I grew up in a, it's a free Methodist church, but one of the pastors there and the youth pastor were kind of closet charismatics. Uh, and, and then after that, my family went to like a Pentecostal charismatic church, and you can hold that against me if you want. But uh, the point is this. I have experienced emotional things at church, in those types of churches where it seems to be more important, but also in, in other churches where perhaps they're more traditional. I've experienced those things, and, and they're valid and important parts and, and, and big parts of my life. But I think maybe, maybe there's more going on than that. Maybe maybe there's something more tangible that we can look at. Maybe we need to put some flesh and blood on those concepts. And so I want to show you something uh, in the Bible here. We're going to look at three passages. Um, All three passages say very similar things, and we could probably get away with just looking at one of them. Uh, But I want us to really see it, for one, and also it makes me feel a little bit less guilty for being nine pages in and talking more about the hunchback than the Bible so far. So we're going to look at all three of them. All right, so here's the first one. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. It says this, As you come to him, speaking of Jesus, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as we come to Jesus, who is the living stone, we also are becoming like living stones ourselves, and God builds us up together as his house, as his priesthood. Let's look at the next one, Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, And this is verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, or members of the household of God. And we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so we're the the household of God. We have been built on the foundation of the prophets and the the, the apostles, and Christ is at the center. Uh, And then we keep reading verse 21, and in him, Jesus, this whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And, And that's all very metaphorical, but this very next verse, we kind of put some more meat on it. Verse 22, and in him, talking about Christ, you too, talking about you, are being built, and what's that next word? Together. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so what's it say? It says, When we're built together in Christ and by Christ and through Christ with him, as Christ is the cornerstone on the foundation of the apostles and and the prophets, we are like living stones being built up together into the holy temple. 
and then God dwells with us. We become a home or a house where God lives, where God dwells. We are being built together, and together we are a dwelling of God. And so that what that means is that this place here that we love so much, this sanctuary where, where so many people have encountered God each and every week and, and throughout all the years, that they encounter God here not because we have pews, not because we have the altar up front, not because we have a steeple or this really nice cross or the beautiful stained glass windows, all these things I love, by the way. But they encounter God here because the people of God are here. And the, the people that God has built up together to be a dwelling place for his presence. Let's look at one more passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Don't you know that you, I want to point out real quick, this you is plural you. It's like all of you, all y'all, okay? So don't you know that all of you uh, yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple, all of us. Together, the temple of God, where, where the presence of God dwells and lives. And, and I wasn't planning on going down this path, so I, I will just briefly, because I was thinking about it this morning as I was kind of going through the notes and stuff. But he says, if anyone destroys that temple because it's so sacred to God, God will destroy them. It's pretty harsh language. And, and if you were to take some time and read throughout the New Testament, you, you will see that one of the, the things, one of the biggest sins is if someone was to create division within the body of Christ. Uh, one of the, the biggest problems that Paul continually addresses over and over again all throughout the New Testament is, is trying to get this group of Christians and this group of Christians to, to live together as one person. To the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians to get along and to worship together and to be one, the, the in Corinthians, the, the rich Christians and the poor Christians to live together and to be one, the, the Christians that uh, are experiencing God in this way and the ones that are doing it, like, it's just this big thing. And so to God, the, this idea of us being built together as one, a dwelling place uh, of his spirit is so important that if we do something to break that up, God takes it really seriously. And so if we go home and we start bad-mouthing the pastor or we start complaining about the person on, and, you know, across the aisle or whatever, and, and, and other people hear that and it causes division and things within the church, God takes that seriously. And I don't think any of that's happening. That's not why I'm saying these things. It's just because it's on my mind as I look at this. And so anyhow, all of us together, serving together, loving one another, praying together, laughing together, working together. We are the temple of God, the place where God dwells. See, the presence of God is here because we are his temple together, the dwelling place. The, the reason that South Portland Church of the Nazarene uh, is this embassy in our community for, for the presence of God is it, because we're here. We're here. 
And, and because we are here, this temple that God has built together, it makes this place a sacred place. It makes this place a sanctuary. It makes this place uh, a place of restoration and safety and hope and all of those things. Uh, and, and sure, sometimes we will experience those e emotional things together. But God's presence is experienced when we together as God's people are present and participating. I mean, think about all the reasons why this place is special to you. Think about those weddings and those funerals and the baby dedications and the baptisms and the time praying at the altar and, and the songs that we sing together and the communion that we uh, receive together. Think about all those things and, and you will find none of those things happen in isolation. When, when you came out of the water at your baptism, it was the church there cheering you on, the people, not the pews. Cheering you on and saying, yeah, I'm going to walk this life with you. When we dedicate babies, it's the church. They're saying, yes, we will help you raise and train the, the, this little one in the, in the ways of Christ. When, when you're down at the uh, altar praying, there's likely someone's hand on your shoulder. Those things don't happen in isolation. And, and our, our faith is not a just me and Jesus sort of faith. It's an us together sort of faith. Christ the living stone, we like living stones being built together to house the presence of God. Uh, in my notes, and I know I've been up here for a while, but I've got a list of people's names because these are people I've uh, encounter and work with on a week-to-week -week basis who make this church what it is, and, and I bet if I were to ask you to make your own list, you would come up with a list probably different than mine. But there's so many people at this church that are the living stones that make this place special. And so rather than go through all these names that I have, maybe take a, a moment today and think of those people on your list and, and just send them a text and an email and just let them know how much you appreciate them. See, so the point of all this is this. It's the people of God participating in the work of God that facilitates the presence of God and creates sanctuary. I know that's a mouthful, but just think it's the people of God participating in the work of God that facilitates the presence of God and creates sanctuary. And here is the really cool part. We leave here each week. And as we leave here, the, the, the specialness and the sacredness of the sanctuary and, and the presence of God, it, it doesn't diminish. It expands. And, and each of us, we go to our own places. You know, some of us go out to Gray. Some of us go to Wells. Some of us go to Saco or to Old Orchard Beach or to Portland or to Westbrook or to Casco or uh, Biddeford. And I can't think of any more towns now, but we go. And as we go, the, the sanctuary grows and it encompasses our community. The, the, the heavenly embassy grows and it expands and, and wherever we place our foot, there is sanctuary. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to wrap up and I want to leave you with this thought. Tomorrow morning, the Monday morning decision, as we get out of bed, 
Are we going to moan and groan and complain about it being Monday? If you do, it's probably okay, but once you had your coffee and you worked through the five stages of grief, at that point, how are you going to be a sanctuary in your world? How are you going to, to transport the beauty and the love and the grace and the specialness that you experience in this place with you wherever you go? How is your presence at your workplace going to, to transform it into a sanctuary? How, are, how will your life be a safe haven for others? And, and just take a minute, imagine what that would look like. Monday morning, instead of joining the chorus of complainers, maybe we decide instead to be the voice of hope and grace and joy. Maybe there's a, there's a coworker, someone you work with, and uh, they're going through a hard time, and if they received a card or a platter of brownies from you, then it would just make their whole day. Or a text or an email that says, hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. Or maybe you have a, a neighbor that needs help mowing their lawn or leak, uh, raking their leaves or, or that sort of thing or vacuuming their house. How will our life be a sanctuary to those around us? Imagine what that would look like. Uh, what kinds of ways could, could you even serve here within this building? I mean, uh, maybe you've been for a while thinking about starting a small group or joining a small group. Those are coming up. This isn't a cheap advertisement, it just kind of happened. Maybe you've been thinking about joining the, the music team for a while or the tech team or, or to be a greeter at the door and whatever is holding you back. And, and, and so reflect on that. What does it look like for you and for your life to be a sanctuary? Because we have to remember, it is the people of God participating in the work of God that facilitates the presence of God and creates sanctuary. Let's pray. We're going to have one more song together and then we'll go out and be the light of the world. Lord God, just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your presence with us each and every day. And God, I pray that you would uh, be with us as we go out into this community, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our jobs, to uh, to the grocery store, wherever it is we may be, Lord, and help us to see and to know ways that we can bring your grace and your spirit of restoration with us. Lord, that we wouldn't be concerned with law and punishment, Lord, but we would be concerned with hope and restoration and grace. Lord, I pray a blessing on each family here that your presence would be with them, that you would strengthen them in your love. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.
special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy go on the grace and the peace of our Lord amen